0: Hello and welcome to And The Winner Was. My name is Joel Winstead and this is my journey. I'm watching every best picture winner in order starting in 1927 with Wings. With each episode, I'll be covering a different film with a different guest with me today for the fifth time. Our first fifth-timer club guy, Edwin Arnaud of national Movies, is back. Thanks for coming back, man.
1: Thanks for having me. Well, wow, I feel like Thanos or something.
0: you <laughs> right. You just <laughs> need one more. Uh, today we're talking... Lawrence of Arabia. Directed by David Lean. Screenplay by Robert Bolt and Michael Wilson. Um, I guess based on Seven Pillars of Wisdom by A.T.E. Lawrence loosely. Produced mm-hmm. by Sam Spiegel. Starring Alec Guinness, Anthony Quinn, Jack Hawkins, Jose Ferrer, Anthony Quayle, Claude Rains, Arthur Kennedy, Omar Sharif, and Peter O'Toole. The film was nominated for 10 Oscars at the 35th Academy Awards in 1963, winning seven Including Best Picture and Best Director. Edwin, this was a film that it's kind of like one of those big ones, like Gone with the Wind, that just kind of always been there, always. And I've n- never seen it. Um, I think it actually even played a couple of times near me, um, and I I just never never got around to it. Never watched it. It always kind of felt like one of those homework movies to me. Um, especially with the with the daunting runtime, uh, three thirty eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if that includes the intermission. But I got we I got the eighty eight remaster, and there was no intermission
1: in that. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I had the I've seen that one. That was the first one I saw. Was the double VHS set that the Transylvania County Library had, and then what I have there was another cleanup in I guess 2012 that Mm. um, made it made it even shinier and maybe that was the first blu-ray edition but um, yeah it was I think you saw I posted that still of some of the heavy hitters some of our favorites that helped out with that 88 restoration which I thought was so cool
0: yeah yeah and then there's just released within the past year a 4k which I want to get my hands Mm. on that's a really good looking steelbook uh, and now that I've watched it and really, really liked it, going to be on the shelf soon.
1: Yeah, to your point, it, I mean, it is one of those that people, and I see time and again on Letterboxd and whatnot, they're like, oh, I just kept this at a distance for so long. And I mean, there's the runtime, but it also just, it just seems so heavy. I think right. from the outside, just like, oh, here's this big desert epic. and Right. Um, you know, it's just going to be, I think some I think a lot of David Lean films kind of feel that way on the outset. It's just like, oh, this is just I just gotta hunker down and just watch mm-hmm. it. It's just gonna be kind of mandatory, force fed stuff. But right. Um I think I don't know, this one, River Kwai, Dr. Schwago a little less, but I mean they're they're more accessible than those reputations would, would suggest.
0: Well River Kwai breezes. There's there's a lot going on in that. Yeah. The, I, I would say Lawrence of Arabia, it goes down smooth. Mm-hmm you can feel the runtime a bit because it's, I don't know, it's, it's so singular in its vision. Um, and it's there, you know, it's, it's deserts, it's robes, you know, and it's kind of, it's very, it's a very simple story. You know, Peter O'Toole, um, goes to Arabia likes it, doesn't like it, likes it, doesn't like it, loves it, (laughs) embraces it, hates it. And you know (laughs) what I mean? Like it's, it's kind of, um, he's there, he's back, he's there, he's back. Um, but I, I honestly, I didn't, I did split it up into two sittings. That's just cause I have three kids in a full-time job and <laughs> I don't have time to sit down and watch four hour movie, but, um, it, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't distracted. I wasn't bored. I wasn't, you know, on my phone or, you know I mean? It was, it was, it went down smooth and I, which is, you know, I guess surprising, but every time I've seen a movie like Ben-Hur or Gone with the Wind, right. these big, long epics, um, they always go down pretty smooth.
1: Is it is it just the the scope of it? Is it like what have have you kind of distilled it to a formula of what it is that really pulls you in and holds your attention?
0: It's just great filmmaking. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> there there you know, I don't know, there there's long movies where I don't know, where I, I guess I can just feel like I feel like man, this is like pretentious or this is sure. this is going for you know, epicness for the sake of epicness or, you know what I mean? I, whereas this, I think this more so, cause like Gone with the Wind, it that can be, that that got a little old, especially the dealing with those, it's just terrible, terrible people. Right, right. <laughs> but um, with this one, I think you know, Peter Tool is so magnetic and he like, you know, for me, I was always on the fence of like, is this guy, is this guy the messiah or is he fucking a psychopath <laughs> sure. and, and and just seeing <laughs> seeing his journey <clears throat> um kind of what was going to happen how he was going to do it uh because he kind he you know he has like it's like a video game he has like a mission you know what i mean he has to go yes. to these <laughs> tribes and he's got to get him you know you know he's got to smooth talk him essentially and and then he kind of starts buying into it himself but um Yeah, I I think I think for me, what stood out was I mean, God, those visuals are absolutely amazing. You know, like it's just one like vista after another, and it's got those great like horizon shots, and then the camera Mm -hmm. will like slowly keep going, and it just like reveals so much more. Um, Some pretty outstanding cinematography uh, that I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, it's just it's insane. I mean, it's just you're like. You start thinking, how do they do this? How do they get all the equipment out there? How know. do they, you know, stage these shots and I know these, these places are real and they captured it and they brought it back. And um I don't know. I guess the closest thing we have here in the US is like Monument Valley, perhaps. But maybe um, yeah. But this is yeah, this seems like on, on another level. And it's crazy. It's-
0: <laughs> I I was listening to an interview with Spielberg and he was talking about this film. We were talking about David Lean and and this film came up and uh Spielberg had an opportunity to kind of befriend David Lean and they were they were friends and he talked to him about this and they were talking just about like these huge, huge massive like shots of 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 this of caravans of camels and Mm -hmm. like on this very like untouched virgin sand. And then that you see them all walking across the sand and then Spielberg's like that's great but what about what about shot number two or what about you know what about the second setup like you know what what you only have like one shot or whatever and david lee said that like sometimes they would only have time for one shot because they had all these people they had like hundreds of people ready to like with palm fronds and then they would go and like (laughs) dust dust away the prints and they have a fan to get the ripples all back in there and sometimes it would just take hours and hours for each setup and it's just like man No wonder they were in the desert for nine months.
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah. Don't make them like these two for sure. Oh man.
0: No. Can you imagine there would be no, there would be (laughs) no one, maybe Scorsese with like Netflix money or something.
1: Right. Yeah. Someone with sort of a, I don't know. Yeah. just, Just, just a bottomless checkbook that they can do whatever they want. And you don't have to worry about executives visiting the set and meddling or anything.
0: Yeah, I, I I can't imagine nowadays a a film of this size and magnitude mm-hmm. undertaking what they're undertaking in the region that they're doing it in right. without without like the oversight, you know. Uh, and that is not in the same interview, but Spielberg said that he estimated that to make this movie today it would cost in that region it would cost about two hundred and eighty five million dollars. In 1962, the production cost of this movie was 15 million. <laughs> <laughs> so they were doing some <laughs> shady shit. <laughs> they had to do a bit. All those extras and all those camels, dude. That scene with the horses coming off the train—some of those oh, yeah. horses straight up fell off onto their backs. Like, there's no way that that was that that was a good.
1: No, that seemed like a, a long distance for a horse to jump. But <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh no, I was like, those, I was like, those poor legs. <laughs> I, oh man,
0: I was like, I don't know if you know, Peta was on set that day.
1: <laughs> they got paid <laughs> off, I think.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, must have all that oil money. <laughs> um, I think so. I I had never seen I've never seen a film with Omar Sharif in it. Okay. um i've always heard his name i've always heard people like be like it's like an omar sharif kind of guy or whatever i just had never seen a film with him in it and i i think that ant- between him and anthony quinn i can't decide who my favorite is but mm-hmm. but um i remember that that first scene being introduced to omar sharif uh, at the well yes. when when uh lawrence and his guide that we've kind of drawn, accustomed to that we kind of like mm-hmm. are at this well. And then like you see him coming in the distance and he gets closer and he gets closer and he gets closer. <laughs> and then and then um kills you know Omar Sharif kills the guy. And he's like, why'd you do that? He's yeah. like, oh, it's my well <laughs> Yeah
1: he's not um, allowed to be here. Yeah. Uh
0: that was just that was just one hell of an introduction. And uh you know looking looking back at the end of the movie, the relationship that those two had from the start into where mm-hmm. it ended was I don't know, it was it was, you know, one of my one of my favorite things about the film was that was that relationship and, and watching that play out.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's what makes it more than just you know, just a bunch of scenery or some big action shots is that it seems like almost everybody that Lawrence comes across, he kind of wins over or he kind of becomes yeah. their their buddy. Like you're saying, this first guide, you know, he's um willing to kind of just play, play nice, but he develops these kind of genuine relationships with people. And then even has those two orphan boys come and be his, his right. servants and, you know, becomes very attached to them. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's there's, there, there's a lot more playing at the just hu- human level, I think, than yeah. maybe people would give this film credit for from the outside. I think so. I mean, also,
0: you know, you keep, you know, you asked me about like, you know, what made me, you know, what was the watchability like, but it's just like the film starts off with him dying in a, in a motorcycle accident. Sure, yeah. Um, which I was not expecting. <laughs> and then it goes to like the, the funeral or like outside of the funeral and, and there's reporters asking different people about questions about him and it's it's varied. the responses are varied yes. and you know you know that you're about to watch a, a a film about a very controversial person um and i mean and that's what it was i mean th- there were so many times where i'm like is is he is he a homosexual is mm-hmm. he does he have a bloodlust? does he have a screw loose you know oh. um you know at, at times he's playing it at like a child and at times he's mm-hmm. playing it like a like a tortured you know a, an adult and it's, it's like peter O'Toole's performance is absolutely oh yeah on another level because he's he's got so many different things going with his personality he's got this boyish charm he's got like the the nice the you know the very kept hair he's very vain mm-hmm. um <clears throat> he's shaving at times Like you know <laughs> when it's like you don't need to be shaving dude like Focus up here. It's for water, he's like, yeah. <laughs> right. And he's like, you know, um, doing his hair and, uh, yeah, wasting water, shaving. And then, um, uh, and then, and then, but then he'll go walk out into the desert and like think about his life in like a, yeah. you know, like a whatever the whatever happens in the desert that's like a blizzard, but a, and the, the desert version of it, a sandstorm. Um, and he'll just sit there all night and just get covered in dirt and, you know he's just like he's such a he's such a tortured person mm-hmm. um and there's a cup there's a couple of scenes a peter o'toole scenes that i really want to talk about yeah but um yeah i just think i just think that watching watching that happen and watching his character make decisions and why he's making the decisions like it's you could tell that that peter o'toole and probably, you know, to more of an extent, like David Lean and Peter O'Toole definitely had a lot of irons in the fire with this character that that was, you know, I'm sure there was so many scenes where it was like, play it this way or play it that way. I'd be really interested to see some of those other cuts, you
1: know. I guess the closest we really get to why he is the way he is, is that he's a bastard, essentially. Right. It's like he's, right. his dad is. A lord or or high ranking, but didn't marry his mother, and so there's Mm -hmm. always this kind of chip on his shoulder. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I guess I wanted a little bit more of that too. I'd like to know, like, like what was his mother like? You know, was she kind of like a quirky librarian or something? And right, well, so I kind of, I kind of,
0: I fell in love with this movie pretty hard, and I kind of, I so I kind of went in a little bit deep on the on the prep part. But I was so I listened to like this little like auto like a little biography of t lawrence and he was one of five boys born hmm. to this mistress all of the same got this their father so he the the guy that his father was married and he had that family had like all girls and then that father had this mistress who was his mom like a housekeeper and she, they had she, he had f- like five boys with them and wow. um, they were very devout. Uh, I want to say Christians, Quakers, Christians, devout religious people. Mm-hmm. Um, and T.E. Lawrence had like absolutely zero interest in that. And so he was beat a lot um, and then and then left early to kind of find his own way. But that you know, just just that you can start to see like the psychological effect that that would have on a person, and there's there's no way that Peter O'Toole didn't didn't know that going into this character. Okay. Um, uh, you know, because there are there are these these different men in in his life that come up, um, where it seems like a father figure type of situation, especially with it's- like the. Um, the The general, but it's more of a contentious relationship. But then you get Omar Sharif and you get Anthony Quinn and these different people, and so there was definitely parts of it where I felt like he was looking for that kind of relationship, but then maybe maybe he also wanted to like sleep with them too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I read some unsubstantiated um bits of information that that David Lean apparently that the relationship between, um, Ali and Ed Lawrence, um, was maybe hmm. like what got into the homosexual territory. Okay. Um, like there, I don't know if there was like drafts of the script or whatever. I mean, I know that so in, uh, T.E. Lawrence's own autobiography, Uh, he comes out at least at least, um, in some way or fashion. Okay. Um, and so, and not, not that it matters, but, but just like when I'm watching these movies and I'm seeing these interactions, especially the scene where he gets, um, full of hubris (laughs) and gets, (laughs) and then gets captured, Mm -hmm. um, like immediately captured. Um, there's that scene with Jose Ferrer that, and, um, and it's a it's a rape scene he's definitely, oh, a rape. definitely like you know what i mean like there's there's no i remember i was like reading about it and there was like people like, there's some speculation it's like no there's no speculation like homeboy did not have a good time in there um but then there's also a part of it where it's like is he enjoying that you know what i mean like there's mm-hmm. he he's he's a little bit of he's a little bit of a sadistic you know um guy you know especially with talking about how he killed that guy and he's like i i liked it and Mm -hmm. and and but then after that after that see after he gets captured and there is i mean they don't show anything on the screen but he gets raped after that he's got like this bloodlust, and he's like they go and they attack that caravan he's like no prisoners and he's (laughs) shooting people left and right and he's you know that's like a revenge you know what i mean Um, but anyway, yeah, just, just fascinating, fascinating character work, you know, Mm -hmm. like I, I, that was, I was there for that, man.
1: Yeah. Like you said, kind of the, the love hate, um, relationship that he has with the desert and, um, and these people and, um, and, you know, seemingly maybe with himself too. Yeah. I mean, you know, some, some maybe veiled, um. Emotions that he can't really mm-hmm. Express other ways so yeah there, there's just a lot Of turmoil and I think it makes sense that he Often questions himself and then But also is very susceptible to um, Returning And kind of right. Elevating the stakes even More and you know kind of yeah. Embracing this um, Like you said like a Messiah figure for Right um, and he, that for which he buys into Absolutely. You know, yeah.
0: He, he, at one point, he, he talks there, him and Sharif. So, like, I mean, the entire movie, if you haven't seen it, if you're listening, you didn't watch it. What are you doing? <laughs> but also, you know, he, he gets sent to Arabia to kind of figure out where the allegiances lie between these different uh, tribes that are in the desert. And uh-huh. and he, he tries to unite them all um, against their common enemy. Um, and to which he, you know, is successful to varying degrees. Um, I heard so. They're not autobiography. I heard some really interesting stuff about how, um, a lot of, not a lot of. There are certain groups of people in the Middle East who mm-hmm. hate him because mm-hmm. they feel like his, his the way he used his guerrilla tactics are kind of the same kind of brutal. Um, terrorist type things that we see today, and like ISIS and 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 um, the Taliban and things like that, which originated with him and and the tactics they use here. Then there's also people where you know this isn't that crazy that far in the in the past, where these people, their fathers and grandfathers, um, rode camels with this guy and and you know went to war with this guy, and they credit him as you know this great. Great person. So there's even mm-hmm. even now there's still um, he's a very controversial figure, especially in the <laughs> Middle East. Um, people pointing their fingers at him. I think Osama bin Laden said that um, that T. E. Lawrence. Um, oh man, what was the quote? I just had it in my head and then it, and then it slipped away. But um, he, he was a controversial figure.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, when bin Laden singing your praises, maybe he didn't do all the the best things. Um, Uh, so you know, but but he you know he 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 does a great job at what he's doing, and Mm -hmm. he makes some decisions um on behalf of the United States government uh (laughs) to attack certain places and 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 he kind of but he kind of had like this carte blanche mission. It was just like Mm -hmm. go down there and figure it out, you know. Like there wasn't necessarily like a a thing going on. I mean, they had one that they had in their heads, but they weren't gonna tell tell Lawrence. So, anyways, he kind of gets, you know, a, a big head and he, he's oh. with these guys and they're fighting and they're they're making a difference and they're making progress and they're they're you know winning big battles and and then he just gets really full of himself. At one point they're in this cave and he in and, and Omar Sharif, who they've become good friends is questioning him and he looks over at him and he's like, do you know who I am? You think I'm just some, you think I'm just some person? You don't think I'm special? Um, yeah. And then he, at the, towards the end, he gets shot at and gets shot in the arm and grazed and he falls off this train. And then he, he starts looking at this guy that's shooting at him. He's just like looking at him. He's not even moving. He just, he thinks he's invincible. You know, he just <laughs> can't be, can't be killed. You know, can't be stopped. And um, that was a really long a really long tire uh, tirade on uh, a thing that I completely forgot that I was the point I was trying to make, but um, the, you know, the, these are all the reasons why um, that the, the more I think about this film and the more that I talk about it, the more that it's just, it's just creeping up more and more and yeah. more. I mean, this is, this is all kind of stuff that's like right up my alley.
1: And I, I guess one of the, things that people like to say is like, oh well the you know, the second half is or the you know post intermission is is not as strong as the you know pre intermission. Mm. And I mean they are very different. And I mean you're you're sort of hitting on why they're different. Mm. And it's a it's it's a more difficult movie, but he's a more complicated person at that point too. I mean he's just right. Um you know the first I guess intermission ends um after yeah, when he... is
0: the intermission? Mine didn't have intermission.
1: So it's he after they take Akaba, and then mm-hmm. he he go he's like, well, we we, we got to go back to I have to go back to Cairo because if anybody right you know Brown goes there, they're not going to believe him, but they'll believe right. me. And right. then um, so it's when um, um General Allen B. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Dryden, who I I think Claude Rains is terrific.
0: Yeah, Claude Rains <laughs> in there
1: it's so much um, more. And who else? I think it's. Maybe Colonel Brighton. They're all they're all walking down um, the kind of corridor at the uh. at the British military base and um, they're sort of talking at this is sort of after they've convinced Lawrence to go back, even though he doesn't want to. And mm. um, they're like, Oh well, you know, I hope he knows what he's getting into or something like that. I forget mm-hmm. what the exact line is. But they then that's when the intermission cut is and then Okay. That, that makes part- sense. Part two starts with the Chicago reporter mm-hmm. um, kind of walking up the hill at Aqaba and okay. um, goes from there. But yeah, it's just, um, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like, <laughs> uh, it's kind of like a drug dealer movie in, in a lot of ways. You know, you've kind of had that that opening where it's like, you know, they're gaining power and it's really cool to watch them succeed. And it's like, right. oh, look right. at them. Look, look how fun this, you know, this high life is. And then when... um when, when challenges arise and FBI or whatever starts coming in, you know, that's when stuff gets real. And uh, right. you know, it's kind of like a good good fella's net kind of closing in on him in a way. And it's, I mean, similar things happen with, with Lawrence. Yeah. You know, the the Arabs kind of go home for winter, essentially. And <laughs> uh, he, he loses his army, but he's still trying to have this, as you said, a, a guerrilla um, right. warfare going on. But he's got maybe 20 people with him at that point. And um, right. things... Things aren't as aren't as successful, and it's you know you kind of got to go through the muck with yeah. with them.
0: Yeah, there there are a couple of it's just great writing, but there's a couple of instances that kind of pepper Lawrence's life in the desert. These mm-hmm. experiences. The, the first one is, and I don't know if it's if it's his if it's about if it's his hubris or if it's if it's his. He really did love these people and want to fight for them but they are riding through the desert and um these people in the desert have absolutely no mercy so if you fall behind or if you get injured you're gonna get shot in the head and they're gonna move on um because they they just it's better to have to 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 lose that one soldier than to lose 10 trying to save them and so they're driving they're like walking through there's so many times where they have to like literally cross an entire desert Mm -hmm. and they they only have so much time because the camels only have so much water that they can retain and they they have they're like on a deadline essentially and and there's no you can't waste time and anyways they lose a member of their party um Mm -hmm. and Lawrence goes back to save him, and everyone's like, Don't go back, man. Right, right? And he was like, I'm going, and so he goes, you know. And then, and then you see him, you know, he gets him, and he puts him on his camel, and then he and then he rides into town, um, covered in dirt and nearly dead, but he saved him. Mm-hmm. And then later, that same guy right. kills somebody in some kind of feud, and so desert justice is about to happen and like these different tribes are at all taking sides and lawrence is like i have no tribe i have no mm-hmm. sides i will deal this justice i'll kill this guy and so then the crowd moves away and it ends up being this guy that he had, he had sure. saved this dude's mm-hmm. life and the look on his face of just like understanding that this is the guy i just saved also understanding that he's got such a higher calling and that he, <laughs> he really needs to, he can't have these tribes warring with each other. They've, we've got, they've got to unite these people so they can actually get some work done in the desert. Right. And, and then he just, he has to overcome it all. And like, there, but it, the thing is it all happens in like 20 seconds. Like there's no mm-hmm. crazy lead up. He just shoots the guy in the head. <laughs> like it was very, I don't know. There's a couple of different instances of, of that happening. Um, and it was just like it's just brutal and i was like damn like i was just i wasn't expecting it i didn't i thought he would like his hand would quiver with the gun and he would drop it to his side you know what i mean like i just i thought there'd be like all these little things happening but no he just you know shot him right in the business head. Yeah. yeah um so that that was that, those that moment was was is huge in like understanding mm-hmm. him his conflict his inner conflicts and also his 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 whatever bloodlust because that's uh-huh. that's the per- when he killed that guy when later when he's talking to his general and he's kind of like having a breakdown he's saying that he liked it he liked killing and that was the guy that he killed <laughs> when that's what he was referring to um just a complicated complicated guy um and then there's these two servant guys you know they're like they're uh-huh. like of a lower caste you know and and um they they snuck and followed this group out into the desert, and it's the rest of the group wanted to whatever beat them and mm-hmm. he he spared them, spared their lives and used them as his servants. and they both like die brutal deaths. One gets <laughs> stuck in quicksand and they're trying to save him. they can't, and he gets swallowed down and um the next one gets injured, and mm-hmm. they're they, at this point they're kind of doing the gorilla thing where they're kind of hitting railroad tracks and taking out the tracks and there's a train coming homeboy gets shot in the leg or somewhere where he's not immediately dead and so they're like the train is coming it's gonna be there very any second mm-hmm. and it's like we can't take you with us we don't want to leave you here right and so he shoots him too um but like again like quickly like there's no like yeah. goodbye there's no hug there's no quivering of the hand yeah. there's just like This has. This is needs. This needs to get done. You know what I mean? It's just. I don't know. Dispassionate.
1: But it sticks with them. I mean, it's. um, I mean, I think that's. These losses, I think, are are part of what's driving him to try to get out and try to try to get back to a normal life um, here and there. But then, yeah, there's just. There's there's too much glory at stake. There's too much. Mm-hmm. He's 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 becoming a legend. You know he's right. Um, the whole world is in love with his story and um, yeah. And the, and the the timeline. I I keep for every time I watch it, I keep forgetting sort of when this is happening and that the U S isn't even in the war at this point. You know, it's like the <laughs> the newspaper man says his job or his goal is to try to have a hero so that the U S will want to join mm-hmm. in on on the the Allied side essentially mm-hmm. and I'm like well, I'm like wow okay so we didn't even have you know boots on the ground in France at that time so um yeah the whole kind of I don't know if you've seen um Gallipoli the Mel Gibson Peter Weir film from 1981 oh, and no. um you know then then there's some other films that sort of take place in the Turkish theater or what, what, mm-hmm. or what whatever the the you know the Asian theater of World War One, and mm-hmm. uh, I find that fascinating just because I feel like we weren't taught that much about that in school. No. It was all just kind of oh, it was trench warfare in France right. and Germany, the end, and then mm-hmm. it's like no, there's that happening, you know, and then there's stuff happening in in Spain, you know, and that you know Hemingway's covering stuff there and getting yeah. shot at, and yeah, <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a, there's I don't know, it's it's really cool to sort of see this. Yeah. Part of the war, um, and then done in such a compelling way that you want to. Mm-hmm. I mean, this I don't know, this is probably the seventh time, seventh time I've seen this, and like mm-hmm. I said, it's a it's a major investment, but it was one that I don't, I don't know if you watched the AFI uh, top one hundred the first year they did. I think it was maybe nineteen ninety ninety seven. Yeah, yeah, it was back then, and um, and Lawrence was in the top ten, and you know you sort of yeah. just see these images. Including yeah, I mean, a lot that you're describing, like Omar Sharif writing in, and this right. you know, is mir- Mirage almost, and some of these right. other big shots, and yeah, um, you know, it sticks with you. I mean, it's just yeah, it I mean, makes you want to see this, <laughs> makes you want to see these films.
0: Yeah, yeah. Speaking of speaking of that that shot, so uh, there's they, they he made uh, David Lean made a a, a, a very specific so. To film Omar Sharif's entrance through through a mirage, um, Freddie Young's uh, cinematographer, he used a special 482 millimeter lens from Panavision <laughs> um, to do it. Panavision still has this lens, uh, and it's known among cinematographers as, as the David Lean lens. <laughs> um, but it was created specifically for this shot, and it hasn't been used since, which is kind of, like, mind-boggling that, like, Spielberg or or one of Lean's other kind of um, proteges ish never like was like just used it for whatever anything even like you know uh, Nolan or, or somebody you know <laughs> or Villeneuve out in the desert doing his
1: nonsense what you know. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um. And that score too. I mean, was was that part of? <laughs> um, is, is that a score the, you've encountered before, or is this the kind score of I recognize? I
0: recognize it right mm-hmm. away, um, and I, I mean, I, I I think I knew. You know, I had the head knowledge that it was that it was Lawrence of, of Olivier, um, Lawrence. Of, Lawrence of Olivier. Lawrence <laughs> of Arabia. He wishes. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, I've been up since three a.m. and it is eleven p.m. Um, yeah, Maurice. I don't know how do you say, Maurice Jare. I think so, Jare. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, Dead Poets Society um, and Witness. Uh, those are some scores that I recognize from 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 him but this one is this is an all-timer this is like Mm -hmm. up there like a you know a williams or a zimmer or you know what i mean like it's like oh like instantly recognizable
1: yeah that was um he's he's one of the good um credits in the score and then i'm sorry in in the cast and then did you notice um who was let me pull this up exactly on on second unit photography did you see a name you recognize there i didn't know um um, nicholas rogue oh okay uh don't look now man who fell to earth walk about the witches a bunch of other stuff so yeah he was uh he was on there too uh
0: nice yeah i mean you know you're gonna attract great people (laughs) you're doing things um i was gonna say you talked about claude Rains earlier (laughs) uh he, I kept getting reminded because I'm stupid, but so there's this guy uh, Arliss Howard. So in the Lost World, Jurassic sure. mm-hmm. Park, uh, he plays like the skeevy uh, mm-hmm. lawyer guy from Engine, Um and I just kept thinking that Arliss Howard channeled Claude Rains in Lawrence <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia to play that role. Um, he was much more sniveling in that role, and he got eaten by a T Rex, but. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I just, I kept, I couldn't stop, I couldn't stop thinking about that.
1: Um, yeah, we, we haven't even talked about, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi in here too. I mean, there was. Yeah. Obi, Obi
0: Obi-Wan in brown face.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's. It is what it is. I don't. I don't have. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, it's not something you would do now. But, right. Um, right. Right. But I mean, obviously, and,
0: when you're talking about movies from this decade, from this whatever, it's just right. going to be the product of its time. So Doesn't it mean it's great.
1: No. 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 But I mean, you know, th- thankfully, you can get, have an Omar Sharif in here too. But then Anthony Quinn. I don't know if you've seen a lot of stuff that he's been in, but I've seen him play maybe five nationalities. I mean, I've seen him. Uh-huh. You know. Uh-huh. Do. Um, black, Italian, Native American, um, you know, now Middle Eastern, uh, Greek, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like, if, if you, if you need an ethnicity, uh, Anthony Quinn is your dude. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. 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 Alexis Zorba, you know, right, you know, right. or, or, you know, maybe he's going to be, you know, out Ab- of Abu Tai. You know, like it's, yeah, he definitely was like the, you know, the dramatic Peter Sellers, you know, um. Uh I think the only other movie that I'd actually seen Anthony Quinn in is um Last Train from Gunhill. Okay. Um, the the Kirk Douglas joint. And he he's he's fantastic in that. He plays the heavy. Um <clears throat> but yeah, yeah. Um Alec Guinness, who you know, coming off of um River Kwai, who's, I mean, he's so insanely good in River Kwai. Yeah. Um, he's he's really good here. He's yeah, <laughs> he's really good i don't know if i can say that out loud in 2023 but um
1: it's just it's just it's just if if this was remade today there would be some different casting choices done that that's all that's all no doubt no doubt and
0: it's funny because like the year before this is west side story and so it's like it's just like brown face after brown face boy oh boy um Uh, But Jack Hawkins, also coming back from Bridge on the River Kwai, Mm -hmm. um, I loved him in in River Kwai. He was so good. And he does a serviceable job here. He doesn't have as much to work with, but um, his hairline is certainly something to behold. (laughs) Yes, yes.
1: Making a um, last stand, yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, very much so.
0: Very much so. Um, I, going back to Peter O'Toole's performance, because I, I think I, I think out of everything. Like obviously, like the match cut, you know, where he pulls out the match, and right. you know they're using that that French New Wave type of, of of cutting, and the dissolve is is you know something that doesn't necessarily have to happen anymore. You know, you have these new ways of cutting and. Um, I think out of the visuals are going to stick with me. The cinematography is going to stick with me, but I think more so than anything is, is Pedro' tools performance. And you know, in the beginning of the movie, they're talking about sending him to the desert, and they're like, "You don't, you don't want to do this. You don't want to go." And he's like, "No." He's like, "It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I'm going to like it." And then you fast forward to him getting, you know, raped and shooting his wounded friend in the head, and you know there's like a there's a disillusionment but even at the end when he's driving away and he's going home he looks sad that he's leaving yeah um he, you know it's like he liked all of it he liked the status and the excitement and all that but it 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 ruined him but he he didn't really want to leave you know it's just it's it's uh-huh. um
1: yeah he gets. I mean, there's. I don't know how many times someone says like, "Oh, you're going native," or "Oh, you're right. um, another one of these desert-loving English right. men," you know. And it's like people are are seeing through. They're you know they're they're like you know you maybe you don't belong here, but there's something calling to you here. That um and then yeah, just the the fact that so many people are willing to follow him. That's what still seems mm-hmm. bizarre. Every time I watch it, I'm like, you know, here's. This people with, you know, centuries of tradition and then this, right. you know, one pretty inexperienced British dude comes in and right. um I mean, yeah, he charms them, certainly, you know. Right. I mean, he he was he's like
0: endearing, from, you know. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then they're like, Okay, well, I like this guy, you know, he's kind of yeah. kissing my ass a little bit, but then right. but then he comes up with some Kind of crazy ideas you know it's like it's like just just crazy enough that it might work like you said you know crossing the desert to get to akaba and then right well after that happens it's sort of like well um we'll do anything this guy says he's kind yeah. of yeah. the the, the miracle man <laughs>
0: yeah 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 it's you know he, he there's a constant shifting sands so to speak with with the allegiances and you know he's having to play his cards right out all the time and and eventually it it doesn't work you know because towards the end him and him and omar sharif's relationship is very fractured and Mm -hmm. um anthony quinn's character who who ends up being like a big help he you know he takes his spoils and he leaves you know um so even like the the big work that he did in trying to unite all of all of these people into Mm -hmm. like one big tribe still you know it really I guess didn't, didn't exactly work. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, I don't know if I would call it a happy ending. Um,
1: yeah. It's but, a start. I think, I think yeah. it's, he gets them to the table. They see yeah. how difficult a democracy is going to be. Yeah. And, um, and then it's sort of Prince Faisal, or I guess maybe he's King Faisal by right at the end. And um, right. like, all right, well, Let's see what we can do with this British partnership. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. How about that scene when they're all in the whatever the government parliament building and they're like yelling and jumping on no. tables and <laughs>
1: it's just mayhem. Yeah. that's it's just very childish too. This it's like, oh, he hurt my feelings. No, he hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. It was very yeah, it's very much like a bunch of yelling and then and then uh it's quiet. And he goes, He insulted me. <laughs> Yeah, it was because, because of that scene, mm-hmm. this film was banned in a lot of Middle Eastern countries because they thought it was um, making fun of them, and that it wasn't uh, you know whatever. Uh, okay. And so, Omar Sharif, the only one of the only places it played in the Middle East was Egypt, and it made a mm. killing mm-hmm. because Omar Sharif, you know, flew flew down there with a with a print of it and and took it to whatever the head of Egypt at the time, and 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 they um, allowed it to happen. But anyways, it made bank <laughs> in Egypt that um, only furthered to help Omar Sharif in his rise to superstardom, especially in, in that region. Very nice. Um, so King Hussein of Jordan at the time lent an entire brigade of his Arab Legion as extras for the movie. So most of the film's soldiers are played by real soldiers. Um, and And Hussein frequently visited the set and became... Enamored with a young British secretary, Antoinette (laughs) Gardner, who became his second wife in 1962. Uh, And then their oldest son, Abdullah II, King of Jordan, ascended the throne in in 1999. But that, I I read that and I was like, what? (laughs) Imagine this being like a secretary or, you know, some super lowly person and then being like a queen. (laughs) Whist away, yeah. (laughs) I wonder how much... um, (laughs) uh say she had in that matter but
1: uh. (laughs) that was part of the deal for uh shooting and jordan was uh right yeah you can have my secretary
0: give give me that secretary oh boy it is 1960
1: Uh, yeah i mean she would have been i don't know i was um thinking about you know how there's maybe i don't know a handful of women in this film (laughs) no speaking roles whatsoever no, you just get the singing wives on the on the cliff when they're heading out to Aqaba. That's that's like the that's the closest I think you get to
0: the only time I noticed any women was when they were all murdered uh, when they were tracking down the that yeah. uh, ter- the caravan of uh, the Turks, Turks,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Turks, yeah. Turks. yeah. Um,
0: mm-hmm. That's the only time I even noticed a woman. They were all. Dad. I mean, this doesn't really lend itself to having females. No, no, women. no. You're
1: not going to shoehorn that in. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. It's going to be hard to do that. They would find a way to do it in 2023. <laughs> um, you know, they would talk, you know, it would be like, it would start with T.E. Lawrence at home with his, with his mother beating him. Um, and it would fast forward to him getting uh, hit <laughs> BDSM style. Um, <laughs> so the town of Acuba was recreated in a dry river bed in Spain. Mm-hmm. um and they recreated like it had over 300 buildings wow. um and which is crazy when you think that they filmed they filmed in three different deserts they filmed in spain and they filmed in two different deserts in the middle east um and they recreate you know they had so many camels and horses and extras and f- food to feed his people and 300 buildings and it still was only 15 million dollars <laughs> to make this thing I don't know someone's hiding some money somewhere um couple so do you know who two huge people that turned down this role before I went to Peter O'Toole
1: um are they are they British? um one is okay um you know it it seems kind of like a paul newman role um <laughs> with those eyes but i could see uh, that <laughs> i could see that
0: but not paul newman is not one of them one, so one of them was marlon brando okay sam, sam spiegel the producer um was the producer on uh on the waterfront and he really wanted brando um and brando um wasn't just wasn't interested which sounds about right Mm -hmm. but then the other person that they had their eyes on was albert finney and he actually did a bunch of testing and like they had spent over like a hundred thousand dollars with like screen tests and costume fittings and all that and then they're like okay you know he was ready to go and they're like okay cool and then they throw a seven-year contract in front of him and he was like nope (laughs) <laughs> uh and, and so they lost Finney and then they they did the same thing to Peter O'Toole and he he signed right up. Um But uh that would have been I think that I think if Albert Finney would have taken this role, I think that his his status would have been even more kind of legendary than he kind of already already has. Because he's kind of like to me, yeah. like Albert Finney is kind of like this um this dude that everyone loves and 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 a lot of people like um are are aware like they shouldn't sleep on some Albert Finney, um, but yeah, I think this would have. I think I think he could have crushed it. Honestly,
1: yeah. I mean, I could I could picture him in that. I guess um, I don't know how many films he had under his belt at that point. I know O'Toole just had a few, but I think either way. Um, curious your take on this. I'm just having someone pretty fresh, you know, someone that's not. Too much of a known entity, I think, it works in the film's favor. Honestly, I, think I feel so. like if you if yeah. you have a Brando or a Paul Newman or a Lawrence Lawrence Olivier, then it sort of becomes their movie or something. And then uh-huh. um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it, it or their persona, they're carrying other past roles with them. Whereas Peter O'Toole could kind of establish his reputation with this role and do quite well with it
0: yeah yeah i so he had done just a couple of movies small movies and then the year after this is tom jones mm-hmm. so he was gonna shoot into uh shoot into everyone's um peripheral as soon as that, as soon as that happened Thanks. um which because he was not he was nominated for tom jones i don't think he won um but uh yeah i just thought you know i think that brando in this role would have been would have been a miss a miss absolutely
1: think he, could
0: nailed, he could have nailed that whole like the whole like homoerotic pretty boy thing I think he mm-hmm. could have really nailed that but um I yeah I I definitely I definitely I mean I I can't see really anybody in this besides Peter O'Toole um
1: yeah.
0: but uh so another crazy thing that I read so for the 1988 89 reconstruction restoration Mm-hmm. um there's a couple of scenes of dialogue that were missing <laughs> and so peter o'Toole and several living principles returned and re-recorded dialogue Sweet. like more than <laughs> 20 years later for um for the re-release in uh in 88 89 i thought that was crazy
1: and that that contract he signed had all sorts of stuff in it. <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> Uh yeah. Uh, what do you got? What are your overall thoughts?
1: I mean, for me, this is you know like the epic of epics. It's just there's there were ones before there. There have been ones since, but it's just you know for the reasons that we've spoken, it's it's just a cut above for me. I just think yeah the the vistas have a lot to do with it. The the music, the acting, the writing, it's just, it's just a convergence of so many things. And it's mm-hmm. not just, um, kind of filler yeah. epic stuff too, where it's like only one or two of those things. And the story's not that great, but you know, you kind of like it cause there's some good shots of mountains or something, but right. it's right. just, right. it's kind of the complete package, you know, it's just, yeah. um, I think it lives up to that reputation and, um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of funny to be revisiting this and discussing it the same week as Killers of the Flower Moon coming out. You know, kind of the uh-huh. mo- modern you know kind of hulking film <laughs> that is scaring right. some people away for its runtime, but is also much more accessible than maybe some people are are thinking it's going to be. And uh, just thinking yeah. about yeah, like who's who's still who's still willing to go this big, right. you know this this day and. Um, and especially without just a bunch of special effects like in, um, right. You know, like an avatar or something like that, or yeah. as much as I love the Lord of the Rings films, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's so much special effects in, in those two, but I mean, that's kind of, I don't know. I mean, Peter Jackson does such a good job using landscapes in those yeah. films too that. Yeah. I think he's kind of carrying on this tradition a little bit as, as well. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's, um, I just love it. Yeah, I mean, I was like I said, I was introduced to it kind of in that AFI uh, special. Watched it maybe a year later, and kind of keep coming back to it. I remember, <laughs> um, I remember watching it like one hot summer night, and I was like, turned the air conditioning off and kind of like opened mm-hmm. the door and was just mm-hmm. sort of like su- sweating along with it, like watching. <laughs> yeah, it. You know, I was like, I was getting real, real yeah. into it, and um, <laughs> yeah, you know, that was that was kind of a fun way to It's like um, it's like my 11th grade English teacher, Mrs. Thomas, told us when we read um, Jack London's to, to Build a Fire that we should, you know, like go outside during the winter and read it, or yeah. um, to, to a cold corner of the house, you can kind of experience have this visceral um mm-hmm. layer added to it, and yeah. um, yeah, it's man, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you liked it too because I it's it is hulking, but I think you know, yeah. you 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 appreciate this kind of stuff you appreciate good filmmaking and just sort of the the daringness and the 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 spectacle when it can be backed up with all this human level stuff too um yeah Yeah. i'm really i'm I'm really glad you went for it
0: yeah good were you were you worried
1: (laughs) i mean i'm worried i'm more than and when when well, especially when I hype something up as much as I do this, then, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, I don't know, you know, so I, <laughs> I was like, oh, he's going to come back with a three and a half star and, you know, hate, hate, <laughs> hate the second half and, you know, all this. So yeah, any, anytime I recommend a really beloved film, I'm just kind of like biting my nails and
0: <laughs> with, with <Yeah>. anybody. <laughs> I think that this is, this is one of those films that, you know, I, I'm just looking at this through the lens of Best Picture winners. I, I mean, I understand that there's so many great films that have come right. out that, that weren't even nominated. But just from the, the films that were nominated for the films that won, this is one of those rare movies where it's hitting on all. So, like, I love West Side Story, the, the, the original yes. one. I, I uh-huh. love it. and But there's some, like, not so great acting. And, like, mm-hmm. some of the, like, it does have some good cinematography, but then at some points it really doesn't at all. Um, and like tonally it's kind of all over the place and so you know this is one of those films where it's like one of a handful that i've seen that it's like it's truly a masterpiece where it's everything from the writing to the direction to the cinematography to the score to the acting it's all there and none of it's lacking and i i can only like bridge on river kwai the other (laughs) david lean film was the Mm -hmm. other one i can think of and like on the waterfront because I, I think any other film, which I, you know, there are some that I love, like I freaking love an American in Paris, but I can see <laughs> that that's got some downfalls, you know, like it's, it's, it's not going to stand up to the scrutiny that I think that these, that this, that this does and, and will, um, and anyway, it's still in the top 100 of, of, you know, lists and top 50, probably, you know, it's, it's still, it holds up for a reason. It's, a, it's a goddamn masterpiece, you know, and, sure. um, yeah. You know, it's, it's films like these that are the reason why we have, you know, our Spielbergs and our Scorseses and our George Lucases, you know, like this, this is, this is it, this is why. Um, so, yeah, this is, this is in the top for me as far as Best Picture Owners, this is in the top, it's Good. top, top, top. Yeah. <laughs> Good to hear. All right, sweet. Well, um, that's all for this week. Join me next week. uh, Thomas Manning is back. We're talking Tom Jones. Uh, That is available to stream on Max. As of this recording, it's also on Prime for a couple of bucks rental. You can find the show on X at Winner Was Pod on Facebook at in the Winner Was Podcast. I'm on Letterboxd. Find me up there. Email the show. Tell me what you think. Winner Was Podcast at Gmail com. Edwin, where can we find you and your things?
1: Uh, head over to AshevilleMovies for reviews and whatnot, and you can find social links uh, from that site as well.
0: Find all that stuff. Subscribe Patreon. Do all the things. Um, I always tell people it's not it's not just for people that are in Asheville. It's for movie lovers everywhere.
1: Everywhere, and we'll um, especially now that we've partnered with. West Asheville staple orbit DVD patrons can get um, gift certificates there and they will mail stuff to you. So even more incentive to become a supporter.
0: So yeah, free movies. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks man for coming on. Um, Thanks to Casey Townsend at Waterway Music for the intro and outro music. You can find him at waterwaymusicnc.com. Bye-bye.